Well, good morning, Community of Grace. Good to be with you this morning. Hey, good to see some people in the room, too. That's a really good thing. So much has changed. So much is changing. That's why we've taken the month of September to talk about our unchanging God. We need to cling to those realities that are unchanging, and the one reality is God is unchanging. God is immutable. He is who he is. He always has been, always will be. Praise God for something that is unchanging. So we've been focusing on that over these three weeks, and the first week we looked at God's unchanging mission, his mission to rescue his people that started at the very beginning, right from the fall and leading all the way through to the end of creation God is seeking his people. He is calling them home. He is reconciling them. He's forgiving them and bringing them into salvation. That is his mission, and his mission has never changed. And that mission has a church. And the question was, does his mission have this church? And I believe it does. I believe it does. The more we live into the truth of God's word and listen to what God is sharing with us. That's his unchanging mission, friends. And then last week, Pastor Angie shared with us about God's unchanging character. I'm so glad for that. God's character that does not change. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, and his desire is salvation for his people. And that's why he has offered us his son, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came, to seek and save that which was lost, to find us right where we are, and to shower us with God's love and compassion And that never changes, friends. And today, we're going to talk about God's unchanging promises. And you just heard a bunch of them listed in those scriptures. And those scriptures speak of who God is and what God promises towards us. And we need to lean into those promises. If you remember, several weeks ago, we had a sermon series, and one of the topics there was talking about hope and our need for hope. And I shared with you at that time that hope is found in the promises of God. That's where our hope lies. If we put our hope in anything else, it's going to fade. It's not going to hold. It's going to shift just like the sand beneath our feet. But the firm foundation of who God is and his promises shown to us in his word, that does not change. We find our hope in his promises So as we dive into what these unchanging promises are, I want us to look into God's word today. Listen to the promises of God shared to us from Isaiah 65, verses 17 through 25. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and eat other and plant that others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. 
For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord." There's a new creation that God is promising, a new heaven and a new earth. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's easier to just say it than it is to trust in it, because we're accustomed to the old. We know what the old heaven and the old earth is all about. We're on it right now. We're living in it right now, and the realities of it are are stronger than ever before of how broken our world really is. How broken its people are. How longing they are for rescue. How much our hearts are desiring for things to be made right. And that's what it means when God says that he will create a new heaven and a new earth. It's not just about a physical transformation. It's about a transformation of the reality that we see all around us that no one can deny. And it's in our faces more than ever before. So God promises a new heaven and a new earth. And in that are a whole bunch of other promises. Promises that are rich, that should fill us with joy and with hope. And it hinges on this one thing. Our unchanging God will change the world for good. Let me say that again. Our unchanging God will change the world for good. Now, it might not look like it. It might not look like it right now that God is changing much towards the good, but I assure you, God is at work behind the scenes, and he has been from the beginning and will be all the way through to the end. How do I know? Because Jesus promises it. Jesus realized the reality that we live in right now. He lived in it. He saw it, and he talked about it. And he realized there is an enemy at work, an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think we see plenty of that, plenty of that around us, in sickness in people's lives, in death from disease of every kind, in loss of what was once profound, of what we once trusted in, no longer being there. That's why we lean into Jesus. Jesus, who realized there is an enemy, an enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's why Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. Abundant life. That's the good that God is working towards. And he's begun that work within us, in you and in me, and in all those who put their trust in Jesus. What are those promises? What has he changed within us? Well, he's promised to give us a new heart. A new heart. Now, you might say, what was wrong with the old heart? Well, about a year ago, I had a stent put in my old heart. And I tell you what, I didn't even know at the time that my heart was sick. But I'm thankful I'm thankful for what God did in letting me become aware of what was going on in my heart, unbeknownst to me. 
And as a result, God was able to do something new. Well, God promises not just a new physical heart for us, but it's something rich and deep that God promises to us. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. There's a new heart and a new spirit. Not a heart of stone. Not a heart that doesn't feel. Not a heart that, that is, is like a, a rock, like the rocks that sometimes wind up in our heads and not listening or not hearing from who God wants to share with us of who he is. A new heart. A heart that feels. A heart that has the same compassion that God has. A heart that that receives his law, that receives his truth, not as something to condemn us, not as something to destroy us, not as something to smash on top of us like a rock. No, instead, it's engraved on our hearts God's desires, God's purposes, God's goodness. He wants to inscribe that on our hearts, and he promises he will do that through putting a new spirit within us, because that's another part of the promise. There's a new heart and there's a new spirit that goes with that new heart. And that new spirit is something that brings us from death to life. When Jesus came and lived among us, he he revealed who the Father is. He revealed his heart towards us. And he did it in the most profound way of all by dying for us, by taking the penalty upon himself for us. And from that death, comes our life and we know it because Jesus rose from the dead himself and we share in that resurrection we share in that new spirit Romans 7 6 says but now by dying to what once bound us we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code that's good news it's not just about following words in a book now. It's not about just having something that's, that sits above your doorpost and condemns you every time you walk past it. It's something in our heart, in a new spirit that gives us new life. We're promised a new heart and a new spirit. And from that, we're also promised a new mind. A new mind. Now, some of you would say, Pastor, we've been praying for a new mind for you for a long time. But I desire a new mind. I do. Because I know that if I'm left to myself and my own ways of thinking, I'll wreck myself. Because even these words coming into this broken body and this real sinner will get twisted somehow. I'll twist them in the way that I apply them to myself. I'll twist them in the way that I apply them to others. That's why this new spirit and this new heart also comes to a new mind. So that we can hear what God is saying to us, not just with our our faulty ways of hearing, not through a distorted lens. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 says this, The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, 
But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So that new heart and that new spirit can give birth to a new mind, a new way of thinking and seeing, a new way of receiving God's word as alive to us. What a promise. What a promise. New heart, a new spirit, a new mind. And you know there's even a promise of a new body? Ho! Come on now, who wouldn't like a new body? 1 Corinthians 15, 42-44 says this. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Friends, every one of us has a body that's deteriorating. Some of us faster than others. But I tell you what, going from my 40s now into just starting my 50s, and now talking with anybody who's in their 60s or anybody who then is in their 70s or their 80s, every generation could look 10 years back at them and say, oh boy, I wish I still had your strength. No matter what the age is. Because the reality of it is our bodies are deteriorating. And they're not meant to last forever. Because there's a new promise of a new body given to us in the resurrection. A new heart, a new spirit, a new body, a new mind. This is a lot of new stuff that comes into a new life. A new life that is that new creation. And you heard it in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. That's God's promise. A promise that there is new life, a new heavens, a new earth, a transformed heart, a transformed spirit, a new spirit placed within us, a transformed mind, a new body that awaits us in a new creation that God is bringing about. I need to hear those promises, folks, over and over and over again. Because right now, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe it. You know, yesterday as I was trying to put together some of the pieces for this message, yes, I don't always wait till Saturday. Sometimes life just brings it that way. Sometimes I wait till Sunday. That's right. Yeah. Well said, Dan. But as I was working through this message and, and reading these scriptures over and over again that I'd been reading since the beginning of the week, there still was something unsettled in me. I couldn't put a finger on it. I couldn't put a finger on it this morning. Why? It just wasn't quite coming together. And then I forgot about something that happened yesterday that, that illustrated what this means. As I was trying to kind of distract myself Yesterday, while working through my sermon, I just needed a break, and so I went out and started tinkering on cleaning my car. And I was cleaning it, the phone rang. And it was my daughter. See, my daughter just got dropped off down at Gustavus for her first day back on campus. And my wife Angie brought her down there. 
And as she was down there, she was moving into her new room, her new dorm room. The problem was (laughs) that her roommate had already been there for three and a half weeks. And as you can imagine, the room did not look like there was any space for her. And it overwhelmed my daughter. She was on the phone talking with me with with that kind of of crying in her voice that, that only a parent can really understand from their own child. And she was just like, this just isn't right. This isn't how it was supposed to be. Not just the room, but but the whole experience of going back to college this fall. Nothing is the way that it's supposed to be. And I spoke with her on the phone, and I just said, Honey, it's going to be okay. It'll be all right. I wanted to just reach out and give her a hug across the phone. I couldn't. But that's where my heart was. And I shared that story with Dan this morning while we were driving in, and I didn't even think about it at that point, Dan. But that's where we're at. That's where we're at right now. Why is it unsettling? Because this is not how it's supposed to be. As I stand here today talking to you in your home where you are, there's a few people in this room And I'm very grateful that they're here. But this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not what it's meant to be. And friends, that's the longing of our hearts. That's the kingdom speaking through us. That's the kingdom speaking to us. A reality of the promises of God that we trust in, but that makes us look around at the world right now and say, God, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be like this. This hurts. This is hard. And wherever you are, you might be feeling the same thing. I don't think it's just me. And that's why I want you to know this, that our unchanging God, who will change the world for good, has not changed his mind about you. He sees you, and he has promised to see you through. He hears you, and he hears the lament of your heart, and it's okay to lament before the Lord the way things are. It's all right. In fact, it's more all right than it's ever been because we, as, as American Christians, are so used to having all the distractions that can turn us away from the pain and the reality of our own and of others. And so many of those distractions have been stripped away. They're just not there. So we have to come face to face with the reality that things aren't the way they should be. That we're not the way that we should be. So we turn to God, the God who promises us that it won't be this way forever. He is making things new.
And he started, and what he has started, he will finish. And maybe these words from Psalm 41 through 5 capture your heart the way they capture mine this morning. So listen to these words. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. If you feel stuck in the mire and the dirt today, you don't have to clean yourself up before you come to God. You don't have to put on a happy face and pretend that things are going to be okay. We have the promises of God that it's promised a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth, but also you as a new creation with a new heart and a new spirit and a new mind and a new body and a future that is secure in him. And as we cry out to him, that crying sometimes becomes a song. Wherever you are, I know that we're not all together in one room able to sing. And nobody hates that more than I do. But God still has a new song. And it's a new song that comes in your heart. It's a new song that will be in your mouth. And it's a praise to God. And you can do that wherever you are. So I want to lead us in a time of prayer here right now to be reminded of these promises of God. And then we're going to sing some more. And wherever you are, as you sing some more, I pray that these songs would fill your heart. God's new song would be in your heart. A song of promise. A song that God will rescue you. He will rescue us. We will see our way through this because Jesus sees us. And there is hope on the other side of this, an eternal hope that cannot be taken from us. So let's pray. Let's pray right now, right where you are. Just stop what you're doing. These aren't just words. This isn't just concluding a sermon. Let's be before the Lord, really present before him right now. Father, our hearts cry out to you because, Lord, things are not as they should be. They're just not. You know it. We know it. In a world that is more committed than ever to being divided, fighting over everything that we can find to fight over, claiming the high ground when the reality of it is we are stuck in the mud and the mire, every one of us. 
And it's the cry of our heart, Lord, to make things right. Father, make things right. From that cry of our heart, Lord, we hear your word spoken to us. That you hear us. You see us. You hear that new song because you've placed it in our hearts and you will see us through because there is a new creation and that new creation started through Jesus who came and lived and died and rose again into new life so that we can have a new heart and a new spirit and a transformed mind and the hope of a new body as a part of a new creation that you will bring to conclusion one day, Lord, when you return. So, Lord, may you hasten your return. And in the meantime, Lord, will you use us as instruments, as instruments of your love, as instruments of your peace, as instruments of reconciliation, and as instruments that sing a new song of praise to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we pray these things in your name, the name above all names. Amen.